You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Your body is the temple of God. Your body is the temple of God because God dwells within you. So when we worship, we can worship Him in the spirit and truth. We can worship Him in righteousness because of what Jesus did on the cross. Recognizing it, that I'm not righteous in my own way. My own righteousness is filthy rags. But because of Jesus Christ, I can worship Him in spirit and truth because I have the spirit within me. And the truth is I've been born again into an indescribable new hope. Do you know that your body is a temple? It is. The Bible tells you that when you commit your life to Jesus, He comes and lives in you. That's how much He loves you. Even in your worst moments as a sinner, not only is He with you, but He loves you in that moment. Today, Pastor Dave reminds you of this amazing truth. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 14 as he continues his message, Half-Hearted Commitment. We have read that both kings on both sides, southern and northern kingdom, did not destroy these places. What does that mean for us? How can we take this now? And I, this bothered me. I couldn't get past this scripture for some reason. Now, we've read about the high places several times. But it's interesting to me the way the Lord puts various things upon your heart at various times. What does it mean for us? What does it mean for us? We're not kings. We don't have the ability to tear down world's modern high places. Did God make a point of recording this fault of the kings for no reason at all? I don't think so. I don't think there's anything wasted in God's word. I don't think there's anything wasted. So what can we look about this? We have high places in our hearts. We have set up for ourselves in our hearts Things that we worship. We have set up in our heart idols that we might worship. Things that we may call good and look good. Children, marriages, jobs, careers, etc., etc. We have set those things in our heart and they become high places because they become the object of our worship. Instead of Letting God fill our hearts, let God completely take our hearts away. We have half-hearted commitment because we will only give ourselves to God so far. We only come so far to God and then we draw a line. I'm not crossing over this line. I'm only going to give you so much. And I think that's sad. And I'll speak for myself. I hide things in my heart, and I think it's sad. And every time I try to repent of them and try to give them up to the Lord, it seems to be okay, but then I might grab one back every now and then. But what's the problem here? I'm giving back to God less than he gave me. Did God not give everything on the cross? Did he not give every single thing he had on that cross for us? Then why do we hold back? 
Why do we half-heartedly give our lives to Christ? Lord, I'm going to give my life to you as long as I get this, 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 and this. If I don't get this, 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 and this, hey, we're through. We're done. I set up high places in my heart. Every man does what is right in his own eyes. That was the slogan in Judges. Every single time you read something in Judges, everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes. Do you have high places in your heart? Well, no, I don't have any high places in my heart. Well, be a David and say, Lord, search my heart. Search my heart. Find if there's any wicked way in me. Look at it within it. Take a close look. Do you have altars set up there? What gods are you serving? Are you serving mammon? Money? Are you serving money? Or maybe you're serving popularity. I just want to be popular. Maybe you're serving that. Maybe there are other things in your life that you do worship alongside of God. I'm not trying to say you're not worshiping God. But you place other things in there. These are high places. In what ways do you worship God that detract from how he wants to be worshipped? Maybe you fall into the vain repetition in your prayer life. You're praying the same thing over and over and over again. It's, it talks against vain repetition. Maybe you present your works to him thinking you're going to get a little bit better advantage. Think you're going to get better? I don't know. But what's interesting to me is this subject came up. Can somebody tell me where this exact subject came up in the Gospel of John? Chapter 4. Who was in chapter 4? Jesus and the woman at the well. Jesus and the woman at the well was in chapter 4. What did she say to Jesus? I'll tell you. I'm going to read it to you. I'm glad you asked. She said, Our fathers worship on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. She was pointing to a high place. She was pointing to a high place in Samaria. Does that ring a bell? What was Samaria in the day that we're talking about right here in 2 Kings? It was the capital of Israel, northern kingdom. It was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. So this Samaritan woman is going to say, you Jews, you say we have to worship in Jerusalem. Our fathers say we have to worship up there. What was Jesus' answer? Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Why? What have we got that they didn't have here during this time? What have we been given when we accepted Jesus Christ that they didn't have at this time to worship in? The Holy Spirit. What does Paul say in Corinthians? Your body is the temple of God. Your body is the temple of God because God dwells within you. So when we worship, we can worship him in spirit and truth. We can worship him in righteousness because of what Jesus did on the cross recognizing it, that I'm not righteous in my own way. My own righteousness is filthy rags. But because of Jesus Christ, I can worship him in spirit and truth because I have the spirit within me. And the truth is I've been born again into an indescribable new hope. When you worship in spirits, it means you're concerned with spiritual realities. Not 
concerned with outward places or outward things or outward sacrifices or cleanings or trappings. Sounds like religion to me. When you worship in truth, means you're worshiping according to the whole counsel of God's word. That's why we at Calvary Chapel teach line by line, verse by verse, so you can get the entire counsel of God's word, the true revelation. It also means you come to God in truth, not in pretense, not in display of spirituality, not so people can go, oh, look how holy he is. You come to him real in truth, not in pretense. God hates pretense. You come to him in truth. Come as you are. I'm a sinner. I'm a wretched sinner. I've done wretched things in my life that I'm not proud of. But because of God's mercy and grace and because of what Jesus did on the cross and because of my believing in him, I've been saved and born again. That's truth. It's truth in God's eyes. So Amaziah, Amaziah had a half-hearted commitment to the Lord. He only would commit himself to the Lord so much. And now that he's king, the first thing he does, if we go back to the chapter, the first thing he does, as most of the other kings did, time to settle the family business. <laughs> it's time to settle the family business. Look at verses 5 and 6. Now, it happened as soon as the kingdom was established in his hand, Amaziah, that he executed the servants and who murdered his father, the king. <laughs> Settle the family business. The way we settle the family business in Israel was to kill everybody. Got rid of everybody that did you wrong. You know, sounds pretty familiar. But the children of the murderers he did not execute according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, in which the Lord commanded, saying, Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor children to be put to death for their fathers, but a person shall be put to death for his own sin. What Amaziah did departs from the normal course of action, as we've read time and time and time again. Settling the family business means wiping out everybody, taking care of the entire clan. And that's what your newly crowned king does. He wipes out everybody. Why? So that he doesn't get wiped out. <laughs> if you kill all your enemies, if you get rid of all the people who don't like you, you can reign for a while, but you'll get more people who don't like you. This seems to have the Lord's approval. It seems to have the Lord's approval simply because he's honoring one of God's commandments. He's honoring a commandment. So it seems to have the Lord's approval. This is not what gets Amaziah in trouble, by the way. This is not what gets him in trouble. So he's king. Took care of the family business. And now he's ready to flex his muscle. He wants to flex his military might. Let's read 7. He killed 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt and took Selah by war and called its name Jokthiel to this day. Judah had previously lost territory to the Edomites back in 2 Kings 8. Amaziah wanted to reclaim this territory for Judah. This is a good thing, but here comes the problem. When we read in 2 Chronicles, now remember, 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles are parallel books. They cover a lot of the same material. But for some reason, 2 Chronicles goes into greater detail than 2 Kings. The writers of 2 Chronicles included much more meaty details than the writers of 2 Kings. It was God's plan. 
He goes the wrong way in this pursuit of getting this land. We read in 2 Chronicles, basically 25, if you're keeping notes. Instead of trusting in the Lord for the victory, he only had 300,000 guys and he didn't think it was enough. So he went out and hired mercenaries. 100,000 men from the northern kingdom. His faith was in numbers, not in the Lord. His faith was, the more I have, if I outnumber them, we'll take care of it. Did he forget about Joshua? Did he forget about all of the others that came up with him who were trusting in the Lord and who had these great... Did he forget about Gideon? Gideon with the 300 middle-aged bald guys who took care of the group. These men were apostates. They were worshiping idols, and he brings them and mixes them in with his army. Can't do that. It wasn't what was supposed to be done. We further read in 2 Chronicles 25 that God sends a prophet to rebuke Amaziah for doing this and to warn him not to hire these soldiers. Amaziah blows the guy off. He tries to kill him. He blows the guy off. So his relationship with the Lord is not wholehearted. He argues with the prophet. He eventually wants to kill him. You know, we can avoid ourselves some trouble if we would only seek the Lord before we act. How many of us, I'll raise my hand, how many of us acted before we sought the Lord and found ourselves in a heap of trouble? I did it. Holy mackerel. We rush into disobedience. And when we rush into disobedience, you know as well as I, there are painful consequences to bear. Painful consequences. Oh, we would only learn to go to the Lord first and try to get Counsel from him through the Holy Spirit. Try to sit and wait on the Lord. But you know, when things are going wrong, waiting is tough. I'll be the first to admit it. Waiting is tough. When we're going through some things, you've got to act and you've got to do some things. We rush into disobedience and boom. Next thing you know, we're facing these consequences. Amaziah finally obeys the Lord. A roundabout way, he eventually obeys the Lord and he defeats the Edomites. He defeats them and has this victory. It's interesting here that the city of Sela, some believe it to be the ancient rock city in the desert known as Petra. Some believe that it's this city. The new name of Jokfil means God destroys. So he went in, wiped this city out, and named it, renamed it God destroys. Again, we get a better picture in 2 Chronicles, and we find out that Amaziah did not use the mercenaries after the prophet told him the danger. So you can see him doing some right things here. You can see him doing some things right. And then we get to verses 8 through 14. Let's read those now. Then Amaziah sent messengers to Jehoash, the son of Jehoiahaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come. Let us face one another in battle. And Jehoiash, king of Israel, sent Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, The thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son as wife. And a wild beast that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. You have indeed defeated Edom, and your heart has lifted you up. Glory in that and stay at home. For why should you meddle with trouble so that you fall, you and Judah with you? But Amaziah would not heed. Therefore, Jehoiash, king of Israel, went out. So he and Amaziah, king of Judah, faced one another at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. 
and Judah was defeated by Israel, and every man fled to his tent. Then Jehoash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah of Judah, the son of Jehoshaphat, son of Azahiah, at Beth Semesh. And he went to Jerusalem, broke down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of the Ephraim to the corner gate, 400 cubits. And he took all the gold and silver, all the articles that were found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house and hostages and returned to Samaria. Well, what's going on here? Sometimes when we get a little victorious, we get a little puffed up. I beat that guy up pretty good. I'm ready to take on the next one. Sometimes when we get victorious and we have a victory, our head starts to swell and we can't get our turban on. We can't seem to put our shirt on anymore because our head is swollen because we had this victory and somehow we think we had something to do with it. Look what I did. Aren't I great? Well, that's what's happening here. He beat the Edomites after the Lord told him how to beat the Edomites. Now he wants to do battle with the northern kingdom. Once again, going to 2 Chronicles, after Amaziah defeated the Edomites, we're told, here comes the rub in 2 Chronicles, after Amaziah defeated the Edomites, he took some of their gods back to Jerusalem with them. There comes the rub. Here comes the rub. Following the Lord in the battle. Wins the battle. I'm just going to take several of these gods, take them back to Jerusalem. That's not a good thing. I have written here, Amaziah's head gets too big for his helmet. And he decides he wants to do battle. He calls out the king of the northern kingdom. It's interesting that Amaziah ignores all the warnings that is sent to him. Second Chronicles 25, the prophet. He ignored the writings of Samuel, specifically Proverbs 18.12. Before destruction, the heart of the man is haughty. Before destruction, the heart of the man is haughty. Amaziah must have not read that part. Even the king of the northern Israel, Jehoash, warns Amaziah that, hey, your pride is getting the better of you. Maybe Amaziah wanted to unite the country. I don't know. Jehoash's answer is similar to the parable of Jothan who spoke in Judges 9, 7 through 20. Amaziah's problem was simply one word, pride. He saw himself as a strong cedar, when in reality he was a weak thistle. He was just a weak thistle, and he was going to be crushed by the wild beast, the wild beast being the army of the northern kingdom. He was warned. You know, if a person is truly humble, he sees things as God sees them. And he doesn't live on illusions or delusions. We need to live on truth. We need to live on that which is true. And when God gives us a victory, God deserves the credit. God deserves the glory. God deserves the honor for giving you or me the victory. He doesn't want us to run off and go, look what I did. I'm so great. I think I'll try it again. Not what he wants us to do. He wants us to wait on him and learn from him and learn in his word that a pride is a horrible thing and a haughty heart is dangerous. We get ourselves lifted up. 
I want Jesus to lift me up. I want God to lift me up. Where it says, if you humble yourself before him, he will lift you up. He will exalt you in due time. Don't exalt yourself. Pride blinds the mind. It distorts the vision and inflates your ego so much that you can't tell the difference between truth and fiction. In fact, pride can cause you to believe a lie. And it starts to become true for you. And you believe the lie. Dangerous. Amaziah thought of himself much stronger than he really was. But he had been warned. God had warned him. And I love that about the Lord. He will always warn you. God will always give you a warning. He will always send someone your way to say, I don't think that's a great idea, and give you scripture to back it up. He will send all sorts of warnings towards your way. What does the scripture say about temptation? He always gives you what? An out. He always gives you an out. Amaziah didn't take his out. You know, sometimes we experience victories by the grace of God, and we experience these things by his goodness, and then we take on the air of invincibility. Nothing can harm me now. Nothing's going to stop me. I mean, the last party I went to, I didn't partake of the drugs or the alcohol. So you know what? I can go back again. I can go back another time because I'm invincible. I can say no to this stuff. We don't realize. And then we start to forsake the Lord. We start to set him on side. We start to do things that are harmful to our bodies. And then we get into trouble. And we start to cry out, Lord, how did I get here? How could you let me go here? <laughs> and it all of a sudden becomes his fault. Amaziah rejected the warnings of God. He rejected the warnings from the king of the northern kingdom and invades Israel. Pride goes before a fall. He invaded Israel. How many times men and women of God had been undermined by overconfidence? where they put themselves in situations that they think won't affect them, even when they hear the Holy Spirit saying, don't go, stay away. You'll only get harm. What happens? Well, we read it. His army is soundly defeated. They're whooped up. They're really beaten, and to top it off, he is captured. He is taken away. Imagine, one minute you're sitting in your palace with all your servants and you're just sitting there in all this lusciousness and getting waited on hand and foot and have everything you ever want and all of a sudden you say, I think I'll go to war today. Yeah, I think I'll go get some more, some more land. And you go out there and you get your butt kicked. The next thing you know, you're in a deep, dark dungeon. It happened real fast. Instead of a great victory, it was a great defeat. Then you leave your capital building open. You leave your capital building open because now you're captured and their army of the Israelites storm in there. They take out 600 feet of wall. 600 feet of wall they take out. Do you know what that does to your defense system? You are a sure.
This has been another edition of A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Thanks for tuning in. As you notice in the course of history, an entire nation can be led astray by following after other gods. But the leader of the nation is the one who sets the example. In so many cases in 2 Kings, the one who was in charge was himself acting wickedly or was swayed by the people who were doing evil practices. Unfortunately, you see the downfall and destruction of a nation when it chooses to stray from following after God. What does that mean for today? What are the patterns and practices being set into place in this nation? When you refer to history, it doesn't look promising. But that doesn't mean that you have to give in to societal pressures and practices. Your example of standing up against the norms could affect others around you. You never know who's observing and how they might change their own perspective based on your example. If you have any questions about what you heard today, you can reach us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We encourage you to keep looking to Scripture for answers about all of life's questions. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today. If you want to hear this message again or others like it, you'll be able to find them on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Don't forget to join us again next time to learn more valuable lessons in 2 Kings right here on Assure Hope.